Wine and Murder Night, a podcast where two friends discuss and drink to their favorite cozy mysteries. I'm Carolyn Wilkie. And I'm Sabrina Moshausen. Sabrina, I gave you some homework last time. You did. You did. Would you care to tell the listeners what kind of homework it was? It's about what's gay? <laughs> what's gay in American high schools? If you are a first-time listener, Sabrina teaches French in a high school, and a couple episodes ago, she gave me the good download on what all the things uh, the teens think are gay, like LaCroix, I think was one of them. <laughs> yeah, and chocolate, Dove chocolate. Yeah, yep, super gay. Um, And... I wanted her to go be an investigative journalist and bring back more of this scintillating information about gayness. So, Sabrina, what have you to report? Um, first off, any rule you think is stupid, or when you break a rule that you think is stupid, that's gay! <laughs> like... We have a certain tardy policy at our school, and the first few are warnings, and then you get, you know, lunch detention, in-school detention, and then ISS, in-school suspension. And this didn't happen to me, but it happened to another teacher, and she just was writing him up for a tardy, and her student was like, that's gay! (laughs) And I'm like... I don't, I don't really know. In fairness, sleeping in, pretty much a sign of a depressed gay. I suppose. I don't sleep in, so that's not true. I used to. Um, when I was depressed. No, wow. Well. <laughs> now I just have cats that wake me up way too early, all the time. No, I just, I just wake up early. Alright, Sabrina. What else is gay? Uh, not immediately saying a woman is hot. Even if she's not your type. Because not every woman is going to be hot to you as a heterosexual male, I'm assuming. <laughs> like, like, and not immediately agreeing, yeah, fiance is hot. Or, yeah, I'd hit that. Yeah, it's gay. It's gay. I'm trying to think of a woman I don't find hot. <laughs> Pretty gay, I think. Pretty gay. Yeah, but aren't you, like, seeing a guy? I'm bi. It's fine. Besides, everybody knows the mark of a true female bisexual is all the women are hot and, like, one guy is hot. And that guy's suppose... sex worth. That guy's Sean Bean. What the fuck? Listen, <laughs> <laughs> not all of us work on the Sean Bean scale. <laughs> Happy birthday, Sean Bean. <laughs> Happy belated, Sean Bean. Yes, his birthday was tax day. American tax day. Or was right. it the 17th? Anyway, doesn't matter. And the, th- the, the final thing is not immediately hyping up toxic masculinity. Like, if you, if you are, like, hyper-masculine at all times, you have to be gay. Like, if you care that your hair is okay, you gay. Now, this, this changes within races and ethnicities, because black guys have to look good all the time, and that's beyond 
sexuality. Like, black guys are always fashionable, or else they think they're fashionable. And they always have, everything has to be clean and pressed and, you know, on point. Mm-hmm. But if you know the name of a beauty product, gay. <laughs> if um, you have an opinion on what an outfit looks like, gay. If you know what something is called, like if you know the difference between tights and leggings, gay. <laughs> now, you recently attended a bastion of American tradition, high school tradition, am I am I right? I have gone to, I've been teaching at the school for four years, and I've gone to each and every prom. Um, I check in students, I tell them they're beautiful when I check them in, I get really squealy over my students, you know, I make them feel like they are the kings and queens that they are. Well, excuse me. I made them feel like they are the comrades that they are. <laughs> I just remembered that black socialists probably has told us that we should avoid the king and queen thing. And that's not important. But I make them feel special on that very special day. But the gay is okay. I saw so many same-sex couples walk in. I saw so many non-binary, gender non-conforming people come in in tuxedos, in, in like, gender-bending things. I loved it. I was so happy. I'm so happy that my school is not only okay with this, but that they're comfortable enough to do it. And That's a lot of them great. were my students. Yay! <laughs> and I have always told them that I am the safest space they will ever have, and I feel like I've been part of the... They were always very comfortable with themselves, but they always, I'm one of the first teachers that they come to and say, hey, I prefer this name and this program. That's awesome. And it's great. Yay. Glad to see the gay was okay. The gay is always okay at my school. <laughs> well, Sabrina, what are you spiking the punch with tonight? Um, uh, the Exquisite Collection, 2000. <laughs> <laughs> Single vineyard, Sauvignon Blanc paint from Marlborough, New Zealand. I chose an Oceania wine. I will probably find an Australian wine for next time. But it's nice. so close enough. Now, it is pink, so I'm trying to avoid drinking a lot of it because I literally cannot drink red wine. Mm-hmm. I also chose a pink wine tonight. Uh, the mm. weather is just too nice today to drink a straight red. Um, and so I just picked one that I have never seen before in my entire life. And this is, uh, Moulin de Gassac 2018. It is a blend of Syrah 50% and one I've never heard of before, uh, Carignan, uh, C-A-R-I-G-N-A-N. Carignan. Yeah, you're right. Oh, I've heard of that. But I have never, well, so, and... It's a rosé. It's I'm extremely excited to uh, drink some of this because I've never had it and I'm in the mood. Oh, mine is a uh, Aldi wine, and it, we thought it was eight forty nine, but it was actually ten dollars. Ugh, that's lame. This was on sale. So my mother was like, "It better be good," and I'm like, "Fuck, it's red." <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 
well, she can have the rest of it and then tell yeah. you if it's good. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, I'm, I'm slowly sipping this one and only glass. Mm-hmm. Well, Sabrina, are you that excited? Was my, I'm so excited. I'm so excited, too. Today, we're reviewing Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, Season 1, Episode 1. Cocaine blues. God. Okay, I know. Before I, I need. I know I should start the plot off, but I fucking love Miss Fisher's. Sorry. Yes. But it starts the way most really good cozy mysteries start, with a man groaning in anguish in his bathroom as he's trying to like grip his shave brush, and. One thing that's going to be difficult to recap this show is that Miss Fisher does a lot of like intercutting of scenes mm-hmm. uh, to show simultaneous action. And they do that a lot here. So if things seem out of order when I'm talking about them, it's because I'm just not trying to do. And then it cuts to, and then it cuts to, and then it cuts to, and then it cuts to. Yeah. Because it does that. Yes. Um, and eventually his just grip goes slack and he perishes. Meanwhile, in the front of the manor, uh, a woman is walking away from it and a maid in an outfit follows her closely and gives shoves a package in her arms saying how much she's going to miss Alice. And Alice opens the little package and it's a baby booty. She goes, oh, Dot, you just don't understand. And then she walks away. Baby booty in a baby bonnet, which I think is really sweet, because they're obviously handmade. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's also fun too. Is like, I don't think we'll get to it because we're only doing the first five episodes, and I might be wrong, but because Miss Fisher is set in the 1920s, and this is, if you're not familiar with it, the whole idea is that you've got this great flapper feminist character returning to Australia. To a backwaters Melbourne, and Melbourne at the time in the 1920s was kind of a backwaters, like it wasn't a cosmopolitan place like Sydney. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a kind of backwaters port town, still with the tinge of criminality. It's completely different now. It's a it's a gentrified hipster city. <laughs> um, but you still get within this, yeah, in this um, series, you still get this like looks this opulence from these like the manor house itself like even just that bathroom scene they did such a great job of like i'm sure the tile and stuff is still around like i'm sure this is like a well-preserved manor house type thing and they do like historical tours but like yeah even in even in sketchy backwaters you're still gonna have estates like yeah but like i mean i just for the show itself like there's the like the correct like pedestal sink and the clawfoot tub and like it's just amazing. The sets they do for this whole show, so amazing. Um, and then we get to cut to our title for the first time ever with the kicky jazz music and mm. all these great scenes of Miss Fisher. Being Miss Fisher. <laughs> and <laughs> we get to finally meet right after title, the eponymous Miss Fisher. And she's walking down the dock in, like, her little 
1920s dropping sailor, sailor outfit and the wind catches her white scarf and she's just got this jaunty swagger <sighs> <laughs> miss fisher is like uh what's the, oh my god from farmer brown um um lady felicia yes miss fisher is lady felicia in the 20s Obviously, Miss mm-hmm. Lady Felicia is the 1950s. But it's the same vein of plucky go-getter who's wealthy and on her own. <sighs> so beautiful. Yeah. And she's greeted very warmly by her good friend, Dr. Mac, um, after she gets off the boat. And Mac, of course, comments on her many, many trunks, which means great news for us because we're going to see, like, I think think i didn't note them all but i think there's at least six costume changes i think eight six to eight yeah six to eight costume changes for miss fisher and they're all fabulous and they kind of she kind of escorts miss fisher to her hotel and it's like why are you here Friny? which can we just say Friny? what it's a such name. An old-fashioned name such a 1920s name like, it's a super 1920s name but also it just Reminds me of Australian names as a rule. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like Australia has some of the craziest white people names. <laughs> well, she was uh, ancient Greek It's like they courtesan. did Jaden before Jaden was cool, but they did like five Ys first. Yeah. So Phryne is actually a Greek name. She was, uh, she was a courtesan, actually. And she was put on trial for impiety. Okay. Yes. And she got naked. She was like, do you think the gods would have made me this way if I were in an impious woman? She literally got naked at trial. She was like, do you think the gods would have given me this? (laughs) Carrie Green knew knew what she was doing when she named her. (laughs) Yeah. questions why miss fisher is here and uh she goes you know i'm trying to get away from my family and mac is like well you know you can't bring janie back friday you can't bring her back janie is such a common australian name though it's like a low class name so it's really strange that, like friday gets this like greek like you know mm-hmm. name and then it's janie well, I think the other thing, though, that they do a good job kind of weaving throughout this particular episode, especially this episode is such a flash introduction to pretty much everybody important in the series. I mean, mm. it's, ob- it's obviously a pilot, mm. um, but one thing that we do learn fairly quickly is that Phryne didn't necessarily grow up with money. It's not that, like, her parents were particularly poor, but the money that she's flashing around now, she all inherited because everybody in her family basically was killed in the World War I. Yes. (laughs) Which, you know, happens. Yeah. And she was the only one who survived the war. Um, The exact opposite happened to my family. We were incredibly wealthy, and then World War I happened. (laughs) But... Germans. So. Yeah, a little different on that side. <laughs> yeah. It, when you lose, you tend to go from rich to poor. Mm. When you win, because of the capitalist system, 
you tend to go from poor to rich. Well, there. Oh, we, I don't care. I get to bring in the capitalism real fucking early. <laughs> oh, there's so much of that. There's so much of that here. It's great. Well, fairly quickly after arriving at the hotel, almost like she knew she was coming, Phryne gets an invitation to a luncheon with her friend Lydia Andrews mm-hmm. and her aunt Prudence. But. Miss Fisher shows up into the manor house, and we know it's the same manor house because A, it looks the same, but B, there's an ambulance outside. And Crown Victoria, which is, they never mention that as Melbourne until later, but uh, Melbourne is the uh, the capital of the Victoria Territory. Australia is separated into territories. Almost all of them are named for fucking English or something. I have a lot of problems with Australia. We'll get to that later. But, like, yeah. <laughs> So, there you go, Victoria. Australia has a lot of problems. I would say almost every former British colony has a lot of problems. (laughs) Australia is uh, America in the upside down. Same issues, only worse. Well, I mean, they have fewer people, and they have uh, less, like... They have a lot more desert. <laughs> they have fewer people, but no, well, fewer no, no, resources like, too is what they, I was saying. Yeah, they have the they have the same issues as America does, mm-hmm. only super concentrated because nobody can live in the fucking middle. Right, like they don't have the ability to spread out. They don't have the ability to really like growing up as a colony you didn't have the really the ability to like farm for yourself in a lot of these places and also like well britain was taking all your resources so whatever resources you had was going straight to the lowlands they just happen to have less than america but they still had it oh mm-hmm. but australia oh but australia oh australia uh, home of chris hemsworth which is practically the only fucking good thing that came out of the fucking country, other than Miss Fisher's murder mysteries. And she's... And the other Hemsworths. I mean, oh. they can't be discounted. Gross. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I feel like... I feel like God gave everything to Chris Hemsworth and then was like, you're gonna have more children? Did you see what I did? Did you, did you see what I... You're gonna have more children? So he, like, sprinkled some on Liam and then Wade... Got fucking left out. Wait. Got a sense of humor. Yeah, he's got a great sense of humor. But boy, (laughs) howdy. Like, he's just like, God's just shaking the salt shaker, just being like, cut it, something's gotta be in here. (laughs) (laughs) And there was nothing. There was a sense of humor. (laughs) Poor Wade. Oh, boy. Oh, wait. <laughs> like, it really does, like, Chris is the oldest, and it really does go from fucking beautiful to, oh, man. Oh, man. God, somebody got, somebody has to get the leftovers. Mm. Well, Dot greets, uh, Dot the maid greets Miss Fisher at the door and tells her that the luncheon has been canceled because Mr. Andrews is the one who has died. Mm-hmm. And... Who should show up to, I guess, not great, to receive Miss Fisher's condolences than Lydia Andrews, oh, five so Australian actor. It's 
the beautiful Miranda Otto. The most perfect Miranda Otto ever. Ah! I love this look on her. Even red-rimmed and crying. God. Miranda ah. Otto. Of course, How many Nazguls would I kill for her? She, she would kill them all. And then yeah, she doesn't even need my out. help. But she's also Zelda Spellman. I know. But yes. I'm not see- I've not seen it yet because I don't like horror at all. She's also been in 24. Um, she was in Homeland. But yes, yeah. obviously the thing that everybody knows her from is Lord of the Rings. I am no man. Ugh. Love it. Love it. And she did fucking nothing. She All she was doing was Australian shit before Lord of the Rings. Like. Well, I mean, I guess that's the nice thing about having a big production come to New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> they tend to hire local talent. Uh, but Lydia has to go talk to the police about her husband's suspect death. Um, and... Not only did do I did I comment on like all of Franny's outfits here in my notes, but Lydia's dress was so great too. Uh it was like this pale blue chiffon. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so, Everybody dressed exactly as they were supposed to, and the costuming was on fucking point. It's so good. This this show is just such a feast for the eyes. It's so mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, while Miss Andrews is away, we get to meet the dreaded Aunt Prudence. Who is who- a five British actor. Cheerio, back soon. I don't know, somehow. I'm Bisham. I love you, that's why I'm Cheerio. Goodbye. Yes. Uh, Miriam Margolis. Yes. She is like five British actor royalty. She is, and she's so funny. I was just reading about her, and she goes, like, people tend to get out. She plays Sprout in the Harry Potter, for those who who aren't necessarily aware of who she is. But she tends to be typecast as kind of the overbearing auntie who is on this side of seating. Like, you know, she's not, she's thick, she's not particularly attractive, but I was reading, she was doing an interview and she's like, I'm the most beautiful person in the world. Like, she's never, she's never thought of herself as ugly. She's never thought of herself as, you know, no one has, she understands what people film her as, but she's like, that's not my problem. They can't see it. I don't mind. Oh, so great. And yeah. she she's amazing in pretty much everything she does. Yeah, she's too. a great actress. She's a fabulous actress. I, she I is a BAFTA-winning actress. Of course she is. Of course she is. <laughs> so, yay! And she does, and she's a great on Prudence, too. Just like, she yeah. does scandalized so well. Mm. I love it. But she shows up to kind of give... Uh, Phryne the download on what has happened at the Andrews household talking about how um, John Andrews was found purple in the face down on the floor of the bathroom and Phryne knowing police proceedings I guess thinks they must think it's foul play I find this interesting I wrote a note 
that Franny is a lot more nosy than our other detectives. She's not playing like, ooh, I just bleedy bleed. Oh, let me just do this and that. I mean, she does do the pretense of going to powder her nose, but she's like straight like, oh, so it's murder. Murder most foul. So, <laughs> There's she's... nothing coy about Miss Fisher. Oh, I love no. that. I wish many times I watched this that I'm like, hey, I wish I had the body for 1920s anything because they had a very, they were all about boyish slimness and I am neither boyish nor slim. (laughs) Same. I'm very much more of a dot. I would definitely not look great. (laughs) Well, dot looks fine. Dot looks good, but drop waists on people like you and me, Mm. not, not. Well, I, I would just look pregnant. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I'm know, and that's what happens to Dot, too. Granted, she does eventually, I think the actress does, is pregnant in season two, but whatever. Yeah. Point is, it's not great for people with boobs. No, no, no. So, like, so that's why I prefer the 1950s. That's why I, you know, dress like Aunt Felicia, act like Miss Fisher. Mm-hmm. I mean, Essie Davis, who plays Miss Fisher, she's just got so much charisma she does and she reminds me so much of lucy lawless that i first watched miss fisher when i had pneumonia mm-hmm. and i was scrolling through netflix and i was like oh lucy lawless is doing something new click <laughs> and i don't i mean essie she's obviously beautiful but she's not like classically Miranda Otto beautiful. You know no, what I mean? Like No, she's definitely But no, she's, she's just classic. Like, no, she's she's got a nineteen twenties look, especially with her hair cut like that. I'm sure like, yes. her hair is an But just like even that. more than that, she's she's an electric personality. Like Yeah, she's fun. You you can't look away from her when she's on screen. She's just so sparkling. Like God, no, when her hair is down, she's legitimately beautiful. No, I mean, I've seen the actress, right? Like, she's beautiful, but, like, also, like, it's more than that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like the actress- <gasps> They're going to make a movie? It's in post-production! I was ah! going to talk about that later, but yeah. <laughs> that was the first thing I noticed when I looked oh, at Miriam oh, Margulis. Oh, she was in Game of Thrones. Essie Davis? Yes! What? As Lady Crane. Oh my god. She was in The Babadook, which I haven't seen because I don't like horror movies. But it's... She's a bicon. Well, like you said earlier, she is willing to play coy to sneak past uh, Constable Hugh, who is guarding the crime scene. Who is adorable. He's so cute. Uh, To go powder her nose... And so she roots around the bathroom and in the court, in um, the the cabinet, she finds pink powders, but the door opens and Detective Jack Robinson confronts her snooping. Ugh. Ugh. Jack. <laughs> Ugh. He is objectively not a particularly good looking man, I don't think. Like in his normal looking pictures, like like modern hair mm. and all of that. Eh, you know? Mm. But Detective Jack. 
God. Most handsome man. I don't. I don't yeah. know. He's not bad looking. He does a suit very well. He does a suit so well. God, if I could do anything as well as he does a suit. <sighs> I'm sure you do fine. <laughs> Miss Fisher it doesn't beat around the bush because she is not one for bush beating. And it goes, oh, do you think it's poison? She goes immediately into a, into a very good detective spiel. Yeah. It, and this is our very first introduction to her. And we don't know her as anything but a socialite. Mm. But obviously she has quite a brain on her and isn't afraid to use it. And also does leave you a little bit wondering how she knows any of this mm-hmm. kind of, or like where she learned all this detective deductive reasoning kind of things, or like, has she always done this or because we don't know her very much at this point. Yeah. And he's like, basically like stay out of it and stop concerning yourself so much with murder. And she just like, every lady needs a hobby. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, meanwhile, an ashen-faced Alice is loaded into a taxi that's just kind of randomly called for, and we get our very first meeting of Bert and Sess. But but Cecil. His name is Cecil. Well, his name is Cecil, but everybody calls him Sess. Yeah. They try to wake... She's not really responding, and they try to wake her up, and they notice she's bleeding from below. Yes. So they rush her off to the hospital. A woman's hospital, yes. Meanwhile, Miss Fisher watches Dot hesitate to answer the phone. I love this because there are so many Australians who, along with English people, tend to like think that the radio towers are killing them. So I was just like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, watching this the first time, I actually remember that from the first time watching it. And I was like, and I was like, oh my god, this is like those people who are like, oh, the radio towers, cause my eyes. And I just want to punch them in the face. <laughs> to me, I was just like, I rec- I, it reminded me so much of now when I get spam calls and I'm just like, no, <laughs> none of this, never again. It just reminded me of all those, you see them on um, BBC Two, and they're like, radio towers, they cause my chronic fatigue. And I'm just like, I will punt you (laughs) off the earth. Yes, for fuck's sake. BBC Two, like like the WB TV (laughs) show. Apparently, yeah. (laughs) The WB of the BBC. Yeah. <laughs> it's all the shit that's not important enough for BBC One. Well, enter Sasha, the beautiful Russian dancer who is friends with one Lydia Andrews. And... I mean, heavy on the friends. Heavy on the friends. Though, it is apparently just friendship. Yeah, that is. But he's mostly just there to comfort Lydia because he heard about the death. And meanwhile, Prudence is like, well, the hospital fundraiser. Of course, Franny and I will host it for you and take all of the work from you. 
And I'm going to put it on my niece who is newly arrived. <laughs> yeah, like, who the fuck is going to give money to a stranger? Oh, pretty well... <laughs> Like, yes, this newly arrived chick. Hmm. Yeah. She yeah. looks good in a dress, but why am I giving her money? Because she looks good in a dress. Hey. Yes. Because you want to see her out of it. Hey. hey. I mean, well, Sasha, you... Sasha doesn't give money. True. But did you, speaking of though, did you like hear about this whole Theranos thing? Uh, the lady. Elizabeth, who... what's her name? I don't remember her yeah. last name. Something normal. Yeah. yeah, Elizabeth, who, who like, I can diagnose everything with a drop of blood. Yeah. Yeah, that. Well, apparently, like, that's kind of what happened is like all of these male old white man venture capitalists just gave her a bunch of money because they were like fascinated by her yeah because she's blonde i know that's my point that's all i'm conventionally attractive but Franny is weird and has a posh british accent in a but is conventionally attractive yeah she's a sparkling personality I'm just saying, if anybody can fundraise without knowing who they're fundraising from, I believe in Franny Fisher. Franny Fisher yeah, I mean, 2020. Uh, no. God fuck no. <laughs> well, she's dead. Yeah, she'd, she'd be dead. dead. <laughs> she would be, be dead. She'd be very dead. <laughs> Desiccated corpse 2020. and Dr. Mac kind of talk over the case details, talk about poisoning, and Mac says the pink powders are very likely a nerve powder. But they don't get much time to actually talk through it because she summoned the hospital to perform surgery on Alice, and Bert and Sess finally meet Miss Fisher, who learns that there was somebody who loaded Alice into the car, and there was a man watching who had a ring on his pinky. And so she requires them to go to the police where Sess identifies George the Butcher. I love this scene because D.I. Jack Robinson comes out and calls them Red Raggers. Obviously, so they're communists. In recognizing a communist, Physical appearance counts for nothing. That's what you call us. And, um... Bert. Like, Bert specifically but, is the... Yeah. Well, they both are, but Bert is the more, like... He's a fiery of, red. He's a fiery red dragon. And he <laughs> basically is, like, all cops and bastards. Like, he's, he's yeah. straight out with the... He's straight out with the A-cab, and he's like, fuck all of you. <laughs> And not only does he fuck all of you, he makes some really some really excellent points about abortion and talking about how that it was legal in the USSR and yes. uh the reason that they can't bring George the Butcher in for performing these really highly dangerous surgeries is that in Australia at the time abortion a woman who admits to having an abortion go go to jail for 10 to 15 years so all of these women are getting preyed on because they can't speak up about it yeah meanwhile so of course miss fisher decides that she needs to do something about it 
Yes. But before she can, she has to go make a visit to an old friend. And we get a little flash of like fresh Miss Fisher heading into a jail and we hear the sounds of young girls playing and we kind of see that it's a little black haired girl likely to be Bryony and a little blonde haired girl likely to be the aforementioned Janie. And she sits down at a table and who is let out to sit in front of her but another five British actor. A man named Nicholas Bell, who plays Murdoch Foyle, mm-hmm. the big oh, evil guy of the series. But I recognized him actually from another Australian show. I didn't oh. really realize he'd ever been in anything British. I didn't I didn't think he was British because on this other show. He has a very, very Australian accent. And that Mm -hmm. show is Wanted. Oh! Not a particularly good show, but it was fun. Yeah. (laughs) Basically, Franny throws down. She's like, I'm here to do whatever I can to keep you in jail. Because of what you did to my sister. He played in I, Frankenstein with Miranda Alton. Well, Seth has slept by Alice's bed and Dr. Mac is kind of like looking over them and Phryne shows up in this fabulous white coat and she's like trying to do a little bit of digging around and she's like, you have no idea who this is? And Mac is like, Phryne, you don't have to save the world. Still, she goes through her things and she finds a letter of recommendation from none other than Lydia Andrews. Hmm. 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 Interesting. Well, then that night is the fundraiser, so she takes some champagne up to Lydia's room where she's feeling very poorly and asks Lydia about the lady, about the maid, and says that she had, uh, and Lydia says that John said he caught her stealing the silver, so she had to be let go. The cray silver. What is that? I don't even know what a cray is. A curry silver set is a um is a is a set with all the uh condiments on it basically. Mm. It's salt and pepper and it might have vinegar and oil. See, I knew you would know. There are very <laughs> few people who I could just be like, hey, what's a curry silver set? And then there's an answer. <laughs> Most of them would just be like, send me the link for let me Google that for you. <laughs> Oh, no, if that's the, I can't help but teach. When... <laughs> well, at the party, Miss uh, Aunt Prudence, who, my, this is kind of one of my favorite, like, tropey characters, is like the aunt who, like, abhors gossip, but then is a huge gossip themselves. Yeah, so she's like, um, Father Brown's secretary. Yes, yes. Oh, God, what's her name? Mrs. Wait, wait. I've lost my old. Mrs. MacArthur. Mrs. MacArthur. McCarthy. 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 Mrs. McCarthy. (laughs) Yeah, so this is Mrs. McCarthy only, you know, in the 1920s. Yes. And um, so she kind of talks over her, uh, like, who everybody is and says that, like, 
Lydia knows some like strange people and um, Miss Fisher is introduced to one of those strange people, a Madame uh, Breda, who runs a Turkish bathhouse, which obviously scandalizes Aunt Prudence. Yeah, you see, this is this is the English. This is the English in Australia. Like, oh no, you might have to be nude in front of people. And I'm so German that I'm like, yes, that's fine. <laughs> like, I don't like the very first baby pictures I've ever seen of myself was I'm on a nude beach with like swim nappies on and a little sunbonnet, and all I see is tits and penises all <laughs> around me, and I'm like, oh okay. That's, I guess I didn't grow up being okay with, like, just tits everywhere and penises in the background and asses. And I'm just like, oh, you took me to a new beach when I was six months old. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. Well, okay. I think there's also one of those things where, um, I don't know if you read this back but it, when it came out, but it came out like a month or two ago about the America's sex recession. Mm-hmm. Or the millennial sex recession. Oh, yeah. And one of the things... Yeah, millennials like, are also ruining sex. That's just how we do. We ruin every well, industry. That wasn't the... the, no, the ta- I'm, like, that I'm wasn't teasing. The, I'm teasing. Well, I'm, I'm just trying to be fair to the person who wrote it. They yeah. were not trying to say that millennials were ruining sex. They were trying to say the millennials were having less sex because that is a fact. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that they were saying might be part of it is that in American culture, we went prudish very, very quickly, especially post-war. Mm-hmm. Like, people used to be having sex younger and getting married younger, and nudity wasn't as big of a deal until, like, the 1950s hit. Mm-hmm. And and they mean that in, like, a non-sexual manner nudity. Like, yeah. Like, being changed at the gym. Mm. And that sort of thing. And as we've gotten more and more private, we've become less and less comfortable with our own naked bodies. Mm. And this might be causing discomfort when trying to initiate sexual yeah, contact. But what's really odd is that you'll still get, you know, dick pics and people mm-hmm. will ask you for pic- And you're like, yeah, I guess. But like, this is... Would where- your Puritan ancestors have sent this to me? Yeah, that's, that would be the next text message. But um, I'm so How dare used, you betray our Puritan ancestry. Yeah, I'm so used to the Northern European minus England, like, mindset where you're gonna have to get naked in life, and it's okay, and a naked body doesn't automatically mean I want to have sex with you. Like, they have these giant signs up in the... um in the public pools in Iceland that are like, yes, you have to get naked. And yes, you have to wash everything. <laughs> yes, you can put your swimsuit on. But it's like one of those, like, like, and the showers are open, and I'm just like, I'm so used to it that I, I forget that people aren't. And I'm always really worried when I'm like, I'm sat here naked because it's hot as fuck. <laughs> that somebody's listening like oh, I can imagine the titties imagine away <laughs> I dare you <laughs> this is a goddamn. this is not a visual operation this is not a video podcast we'd have to charge money for that I feel like <laughs> special patreon feed <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that's a that's one of the levels of Patreon. <laughs> Speaking of sexy things, Sasha sidles up to Miss Fisher and she recognized him from a dance she saw in Paris. And he's like, Miss Fisher, do you tango? Oh, this is a continuity error. I said she had a pink cocktail. And then when she when he asked her to dance, when she puts it down, it's champagne. <gasps> nice catch. I don't notice those a lot, but I noticed it was a very obvious. She had a bright pink fucking cocktail. Mm-hmm. And she puts it down in champagne, and I was like, hmm. I did appreciate, actually, just speaking about how well made the series is, in mm. this scene specifically, they only used the little coupes, which were mm. the typical champagne glasses of the time. And those were um, meant to let the champagne breathe more because champagne mm. in the 1920s had a lot more sugar in it than mm. the champagne of today. Mm. And so part of why they used coupes in the era um, and f- we use flutes now is because the ch- wine itself has changed in flavor and the mm. flute is supposed to be better for today's champagnes. Yes, and also and also it's better for the look because the flute maintains bubbles easier than the coupe does. The coupe, as it releases, yeah, as it releases, it, it pulls out the bubbles and basically makes it a little flatter. Not much, but... And, and again, that's another change in the wine, too. Yeah. It's like the, today's bubbles are bubblier. Yeah. So... It, I don't know. I thought that was a really fun little, like, yeah, yeah. they did it right, you know, kind yeah. of thing. Uh, but, uh, obviously, the tango goes quite well. And while they're dancing, Jack shows up trying to reach Miss Andrews and lets her know that it was, in fact, poison that kills her husband. And he, she herself has been poisoned. And they take Dot, the maid who prepares the tea, down to the station. Mm. And uh, Phryne shows up and just, like, gives Dot a card and ends up saying goodbye to everything and realizes... Goodbye to everything. Goodbye to everybody and realizes that Sasha has stolen her earrings, so she chases... There's a lot fucking going on in this episode. Yeah. There's a lot going on in this episode. Anyway, she ends up sleeping with Sasha. That's a long story short. Yeah, because there's this whole scene about cocaine and shit, and I'm like, whatever, that's not a really important... That's not... I mean, it's kind of important, but not super, but, like, Sasha. Yeah, <laughs> basically, she's, like, trailing Sasha because he's, like, trying to, like, meet the king of cocaine in Melbourne, and then they sleep together, and that's what the outcome was. King of Snow! In such a hipster village as... Melvin is now that would be really difficult to do (laughs) (laughs) I mean um, it take like every gentrification stereotype that you hate about America and all the gentrification that's been going on and you put it next to a really fucking nice beach there's a vegan coffee shop next to my like a block from my house okay I mean, if we're going to talk about gentrification, there's a vegan I mean, fucking coffee shop. Was Denver ever not? I mean, uh, other than I mean, other than at the frontier western shoot 'em up times. Yes, I would say this area specifically did not used to be as hipster as it currently is. 
I mean, I realize Colorado is its own special like thing, but like. I, I mean, I don't, I mean, if you're talking, if we're just talking about gentrification and like rising house prices that displace people, I live in that area. Yeah. For mm-hmm. sure. And you can tell because there's a vegan fucking coffee shop. I'm sorry. A vegan coffee, they charge fucking $12 for avocado toast. Like I have dismissed the whole avocado toast thing. I don't care. I'm like, you can fucking put an avocado on toast. It does not cost that much money to put an avocado on toast. And granted, I used to live in Texas where avocados were like fucking no money at all whatsoever and like if you really wanted avocados that bad you would just go to the fucking breakfast cart taco truck and get a fucking breakfast taco with an avocado on it so i didn't understand what the whole avocado test thing was yeah but now i'm like what the fuck i am never gonna ever pay 12 fucking dollars for smushed avocado on toast (laughs) i'm never gonna pay any money to any avocado ever because avocado looks like baby poop so, did you know the old name for avocado, the 1920s name for avocado, was the alligator pear? Yes. Yes, I didn't know that. Because <laughs> I read it in an Agatha Christie novel, and I was like, what the fuck is an alligator pear? So I just put alligator pear into Google and put push image, and it just came with avocado. I was highly disappointed. I was hoping for some Asiatic pear that uh, doesn't exist anymore, and I just got fucking avocado. <laughs> Imagine the disappointment the first time somebody had to Google a kiwi. <laughs> <laughs> like, is this a bug? Is this a fruit? Well, the next day, Dot shows up at Franny's door and she is distraught. Obviously, she's been dismissed from her post at the Andrews. Without a reference, with this huge. Mm hmm. And she admits that um, John Andrews tried to rape her and did the same to Alice. Fuck capitalists. In recognizing a communist, physical appearance counts for nothing. Yeah, dude. No, no good there. Especially since he owns an import company. So he is like the very definition of a capitalist. He's importing goods that are unnecessary and is like... He's just bringing more and more shit into Australia that they don't fucking need. So yeah, he's he's the very definition. This whole like cocaine, <laughs> specifically yeah. like cocaine. Exactly. Uh, there's a couple of fun little scenes here where like Miss Fisher is traveling all over town in another beautiful outfit. Mm-hmm. Um, but the long and short of it is that she ends up finding out that Madame Breda is the one who sent Alice to. The but- George the Butcher. So mm-hmm. Dot it screws up her courage and goes on a mission of subterfuge and gets uh, goes to Madame Breda, says that she's been knocked up by John Andrews. And uh, in return, Madame Breda gives her a time and place to meet somebody and a package that contains those same pink powders. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was a cute little scene between... Uh, Miss Fisher and Dr. Mack, where they're like, I think it's cocaine. Let's taste it. Let's yeah. taste it some more, just to be sure. <laughs> Let's just do some cocaine. It was still being prescribed by doctors in 1920, yes. whatever. So, like, it wasn't exactly illegal. Like, what Madame Breda was doing was illegal, but, like, you could get cocaine legally if you just try a little bit. Yeah, a Dr. Mack even says that you need a doctor's prescription for cocaine, but you could totally get it. Well, the next day, bright and early, Dot is at the corner that she's told to be at with a red rose pinned to her jacket. Because socialism! I'm sorry. 
pretty sure that's not a symbol of communism in this particular context. No, but <laughs> um, but Bert and Miss Fisher and Sess follow her in the unmarked van, um, and after a very harrowing scene where Dot has to struggle against a George the Butcher and his henchmen, they end up rescuing her from an attempted abortion and turning Dr. George in. Yep. But that's not all that Miss Fisher learns. She also learns the cocaine is coming from. Mm. Or, no, what the f- I don't fucking know. But She learns where the powders are coming from because they're not. She learns where something's coming from. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what's up. They're, they're marked with John Andrews in court. Yeah, but she doesn't learn that until she breaks into Madame Breda. I forget what they told her. Whatever, it does not matter. But, Franny's work isn't done. She decides that they need to track down this enigmatic king of snow. And she gives Dot a very cute forehead kiss, which a perfect friggin' lips... Yeah. Tells Dot that if she needs to call the police if she's not back by midnight. And heads off with Bert to stake out the pharmacy where she found Sasha the other night. And she sees uh, Sasha and two toughs go into the back of Madame Breda's bathhouse. So she steals in, climbing, fucking scaling a wall with Bert's help, which is cool. Yeah. And uh, finds the branded pink powders from the Andrews Import Company. And as she hears Sasha being beaten, she pulls out her gun, but is quickly overpowered by more toughs. And as she and Sasha are thrown into the sauna, who should come to gloat about their victory? But the King of Snow himself, Lydia Andrews. (laughs) Because... She is no man. <laughs> well, well played there. Well played. <laughs> she's already she's already done the learning, so <laughs> this is just yeah. her life now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Lydia reveals that she her family lost everything in the war and she married a John Andrews, who was a cad, to kind of rebuild everything, and she was mostly just pissed that John wouldn't let her have it. Yeah. So, Sasha and Miss Fisher are locked into the sauna, and... Boiled to death! A- yeah. Attempted attempt- boiling. Attempted boiling. They're not actually boiling to death, because that would be a very short season, <laughs> we would have to immediately put up a poll. <laughs> Well, that was that. Wasn't that lovely? <laughs> They're just kind of lightly steamed, like a nice, uh, you know, broccoli. Lobster? <laughs> yeah, the lobsters are boiled. But yeah, you steam, you like, it's like a steamed broccoli, sometimes like an artichoke. Yeah. Artichoke. I feel like artichoke because that's, you know, an expensive hoity-toity asshole food. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Fucking love artichokes. <laughs> Is that gay, Sabrina? <laughs> no, it's hoity-toity and capitalist as fuck. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're just weeds. I don't think that 
can be. I don't think a weed can be capitalist. It is because it's hard to produce. You're stealing it from cultures that aren't yours, and they're fucking hard to eat, and you get little to no value out of it, but except like the hearts, which are difficult to get to, and the leaves, which you have to like dunk in butter for it to even like taste like anything. And yes, I have eaten artichokes, and yes, there's a fucking uh, uh, entry in my etiquette book about how to fucking eat an artichoke. So don't come to me with some, oh, it's just a weed. It's in my etiquette book. <laughs> Capitalist weeds. And we're not even talking about the fun kind. Uh, <laughs> don't get yourself. Well, the good news is that Dot finally overcomes her fear of the phone, and with Bert's insistence, Jack is concerned, and they finally are spurred to action, and they go rescue Sasha and Miss Fisher. But but she takes his towel off to to re re you know re turn the steam back around. Like I said, the costuming in this episode is so good. <laughs> and she reaches out, and no, no, this is my favorite part of this whole thing. She she tries, she reaches out to wake him up to, from falling asleep, and she just pats his bottom and then keeps her hand there. <laughs> like, she just keeps it there. And I was like, that's Essie. That's not funny. <laughs> I don't know. That's Essie I feel Davis. Like, I feel like Miss Fisher is all of us. Yes. I mean, I would keep my hand on a really nice ass. I mean, if I'd already slept with the dude, yeah, totally. Yeah. He also, I'm like, this is a weird consent issue. He's unconscious. Please get your hand off his ass. Like, <laughs> like I was I, in two parts about it. I was like, hashtag me. And then the second bit was like, oh no, hashtag me too? Frank <sighs> <sighs> Fisher. Uh, I mean, in fairness, she does eventually get his hand, her hand off her, his ass because she figures <laughs> out a way to save them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's like, no, she took the she took the towel off and then was trying to wake him up and then was like went to do the steamy thing. But like, the button on the episode after they get rescued by Jack and the rest of the police, who fucking judges them for nearly dying? I thought it wasn't judgy. I thought it was more quippy. It was quippy, but it was it was judgy. His face is a judgy face. Yes, I I will give you that because this is the first episode and we didn't really talk about it, but like in that first scene where they meet, like she totally hits on him super duper hard and he's just kind of like trying to be cool, calm, collected Jack and like, but he's, I feel like it's a little bit judgy, but he's also very amused Yeah, and that's why it's quippy and not just straight judgy. Hashtag gay. He didn't immediately fell back. He didn't. <laughs> so obviously he's in love with, you know, Colonel whatever. Well, the button on the episode is that all of the Miss Fisher and friends are having uh, a lovely breakfast at the hotel. And Jack shows up and she's like, oh, join us, Jack. We're celebrating. And he's like, well, I'll have you know that there was a backup in the steam pipes and the bathhouse exploded. And she's like, well, okay, cool. One less less bordello. (laughs) Yes. And they're like, oh. And so he's like, what are you celebrating? And she's like, oh, it's my new business. 
Miss Phryne Fisher, Lady Detective. Ah. Ah. And the look on his face is priceless. I fucking love Jack. I fucking love. I love everybody in this Chili's. Yeah, every. <laughs> I love. I loved everyone in the show. Immediately on watching the first episode, I was like, I am into this. Okay. The okay, scene when I get before we. Before we really get into how much we love this show, okay? We have one more question that we have to ask. Did you figure it out? Yes. So did I. I, When did you figure it out? When she was lightly poisoned. Like when she was like, Oh, could I have been poisoned as well? That's classic Marvel. Mm -hmm. Where you get everybody sick, so it throws suspicion off on you. And throws suspicion on your lady's maid. Because she's the one that does breakfast. I figured it out, figured it out. And granted, obviously, this is not the first time I've seen this episode. But um, I figured it out, figured it out, like 100% for sure. This is the bitch that did it. Uh, when she wouldn't take sugar in her tea at the back. Yeah, that, that like, legitimized it for me. Mm-hmm. But, like, it was, it was, it was a marvel automatically, like, oh, yeah, okay, well, you're gonna poison yourself, just like you're gonna shoot yourself, you know, <laughs> yeah. to make it look like, although, look, if you say, okay, it bothers me when people shoot themselves, and then, like, it's such an awkward way, it's obvious that you shot yourself, if you say that XYZ shot you, and he was this tall, you like, do something about it. Stand on something. Like, get somebody else to shoot you. Like, pay hey, somebody off. Just pay somebody like, to shoot you. There are yeah. people who get off on that shit, man. Yeah. Like, get on Craigslist. Set up a personal ad. I'm trying to frame somebody for murder. I need you to shoot me. Yeah, you can jack off, but you can't do it at the scene. <laughs> W4M. Please shoot me. <laughs> W4M must be 6'2. Yeah. <laughs> Left handed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Did you like this episode? Yes. Yes. I, I mean, I think it's obvious how much we fucking gushed about the show that we like this episode. Uh, but what did you like about the episode? I liked that we got to meet everyone. Mm-hmm. I liked Melbourne in the 1920s. Um, mm-hmm. because it's so different from the Melbourne that I know. Um, I like Dot. I like Dr. Mac and her lesbian. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Friday's, this is just Friday's lesbian. Let's talk about Friday's lesbian. Um, I liked, I liked her casual sexuality. Um, I liked... Uh, Dot and her crazy my priest says the electricity is going to go straight to the earth and explode Uh, I didn't see I it took me a long time to warm up to Jack didn't Mm. like D.I. Jack it took me a really long time to warm up but I love Hughes and um, I love my communists (laughs) gotta love the communists love my red raggers I love fucking everything I even love Madame uh, Bird. I love the scene where Phryne and uh, Lydia go to the Turkish bathhouse because that's mm-hmm. a genuinely nice scene. Yeah. I 
I love this episode a lot, but I think it's I think I think it's actually not a particularly strong one-off episode. Mm-hmm. I think it is certainly good enough to make people watch more, which is what a pilot needs to do. Yes. It's beautiful. Like the costuming is beautiful. The sets are beautiful. It's really well acted. Um Yeah. The everything about it is spot on. But the writing itself, I think, is it's super rushed. Like, we skipped, like, half the fucking plot shit because, like, it's just cut back and forth and cut back and forth and cut back and forth. And, like, you get two 15 seconds every place. The the only thing I would say about it was that there was too much going on. Yeah. Like, but, too and, much and that's, thrown in. And that was probably, they were trying to get all the plot points that they needed to get in. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay. Yeah, and again, it. it is based a bit on a book, so that happens sometimes when you're trying to condense stuff into an hour episode. Mm-hmm. And it is a pilot, so you are trying to introduce mm-hmm. all the major players and introduce their personalities, not just like, this is their face and they will show up again. Which I thought it did an excellent job of, but I think it did that at the expense of the mystery. Yeah, so, like, for me, a murder mystery needs to maintain them. Like, you could throw out a red herring or two, but there wasn't even a single red herring. Like, we complained about that in Psych. There were no red herrings because you know Dot didn't do it. Like, from jump. You know, the girl who knitted the fucking baby booties did not poison this. Also, the one that can't even pick up a telephone is not going to poison anybody. Like, okay, whatever. Right. So there were no red herrings. It was just a matter of like putting the two and two together to find out that Miranda Otto could kill a bitch. Which, if you have seen Sabrina, you would know. <laughs> Miranda Otto can kill a bitch because she is no man. And so like, it's kind of like okay, whatever. Um, but also, uh, Miranda, this was her only episode. So, like, well, that's yeah, another. She goes to fucking jail. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, no, 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 no. She gets hanged. Well, yeah, fair, 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 fair. It was the 1920s. Uh, Bastion of capitalism and capital punishment. Yeah, well, it's in the fucking name, isn't it? They wrote a whole musical about that. We, in socialism, you just exclude people. (laughs) So, uh, Carol. Yes? How'd you like your wine? It's delicious. I am very happy with this very random choice. <laughs> it's a Gulhelm. It's Guihelm. But I. it looks... Okay, so the name on the bottle... I can't tell which is the fucking winery and what's the name of the wine because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure the winery is Moulin de Gesek. And mm-hmm. I think the name of the wine is Guihelm, but G-U-I-L-H-E-M isn't particularly French. Mm-hmm. It's a very, no, it's a very, very old spelling of Guillaume. And I mean old. Okay. Yeah, it's an old spelling. So it's not particularly French anymore, unless you're from the 1730s. It's Gaulish. Yeah, it's from, like, unless you're from, like, the 1730s or something. Then you're like, okay. Okay, or even well, old. so that makes a lot more sense, because I was like, well, maybe this is from Alsace. And then I was like, oh, nope. Nope, it's from the south of France. So I was very confused for a minute, but strong recommend. Um, I think I picked this up for about $13 after tax. Um, Super lovely, crisp, hint of sweetness, extremely drinkable. I'm about half a bottle in. 
And yeah, dude, I would eat the, I, I will drink the shit out of this. I will buy this many times. Good. How did you like your wine? I have your such one a, glass. <laughs> I have such a bad headache right now. I can't drink, guys, I can't drink red wines. It's not a contrivance that Carol drinks the reds and I drink the whites. It's I cannot drink reds. It's that I, I literally can't drink reds. They give me a really bad headache. And if I drink too much of it, I end up in hospital. So like, um, it's super acidic. Um, so it's, it's quite, it's a little dry. Um, but I can't, otherwise I can't really, I, I'm not, I, I can't score it because I've got such a bad headache, but it tastes like a Sauvignon Blanc and then I can't drink it anymore. So there you go. Yeah. That's a bit sad. So no score. I should have no read the score. Label. Yeah. But I should have read the label letter, but I'm not going to not recommend it because I don't know. If you can drink red wines, try it because the acidity is actually not bad. Mm-hmm. They said it was an acidic wine. And that's not the problem. The problem is that it's pink. Well, both of us are drinking rosés. Me on purpose, you accidentally. Uh, Mine, I'm going to give big score. I'm going to give this a... I'm going to give this a 10 out of 10. This is exactly what I want from a rosé. Nice. This is exactly what I want from a rosé. Well, you can always follow us on our Twitters. I'm at Classlicity. I'm at SDM Rights, and uh, tonight I'd like to um, dedicate a glass of wine that Carol will drink for me to Lyra McKee of Derry, Northern Ireland, who was killed on this, the anniversaries of the Good Friday Agreement. So God bless you, Lyra McKee. God bless you. A little hard to follow that up with, you can follow us on our official Twitter <laughs> at Wine Murder Night. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm bringing it down. I'm bringing it down. We're gonna just ramp that slowly back up. You can follow <laughs> us on our official Twitter at Wine Murder Night. Oh wait, With- you know what? Let me let me dedicate the wine after the Twitter. Let all the Twitter. No, it's fine. It's fine. We're just gonna. Ru- Life is an ebb and flow, Sabrina. <laughs> Life is an ebb and flow. Cough. <laughs> I hate to be an advertising capitalist pig right after this beautiful dedication <laughs> but uh we're not being advertising we make zero money off of this fucking podcast zero money we do it because we love it we love you and we love each other this is a true socialist uh ideal we are making art for nothing we are making it. art for art's sake well i don't know if you sure we'll call this art you should follow us on our twitter because that's where we a post new episodes but most importantly you get to vote on the shows that we watch miss fisher's murder mysteries was picked by our listeners so if you want to pick the shows that we watch next you need to follow us on twitter you can also subscribe to us on itunes which you should do or whatever podcast app you prefer it's totes fine we're on all of them it's all good uh But if you do, and you leave us a lovely rating and review, even hit us up on Twitter, we will shout you out on the podcast. We really, really appreciate you doing that. We also would like to say what, Sabrina? Spasiba. To Anton Koryakov, who wrote and performed Simple Life off the album Restart, which we use with apps. Attribution. (laughs) Attribution license.3.0 under Creative Commons. I don't always say that bit, but that's how we got it. 
We love you, Anton. Thank you, Anton Kuryakan. Until next time. Bye.